Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hey, everybody. Before we get into this week's episode, we want to take a couple of moments here to tell you about the results of our GM search for our Twitch streaming series. I say series because we got so many great applicants that we ended up putting together something much larger, I think, than we initially intended. Oh, yeah. Tell me. Tell me all the deets. Yes. Our Twitch series is called The Omniverse Chronicles, and we have brought on six different GMs who are going to run us through six different stories each of them eight sessions long. Uh, you'll be able to find all of these at twitch.tv slash the crit show. And it begins Monday, March 1st at 8 p.m. Eastern. Our first game is I Hunt with our guest GM, Philomena Young. Philomena is one of the co-creators of the I Hunt game, and she describes it as Buffy meets Uber. Basically, you are living in a world where monsters are the norm. And like any normal, annoying thing, People have found a way to get other people to do it for them through an app on their phone. Amazing. Uh, I asked Philomena for just kind of a sentence, what what she thought the story was going to be, if she could give us something to, to say to the audience, what could they expect? This is the sentence she sent me. Do you remember that cartoon from when you were young? It remembers you. Oh, God. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, very excited. Uh, that will be running March 1st through April 19th. Our second game is Masks, A New Generation, with our guest GM, Landon Corbin, which will run May 3rd through June 21st. Our third show is Crossroads Carnival with guest GM, Joe Louie, which will run July 5th through August 23rd. Our fourth game is Afterlife Wandering Souls with guest GM, Hallie Kuntz, which will run September 6th through October 25th. Our fifth game will be Star Wars Force and Destiny with guest GM, Andrew Mowers, which will run November 8th through December 27th. And our final game in this I don't know, season, series, who knows, will be Ghostbusters International with guest GM Forrest Letter, and that will run January 10th through February 28th. So I just want to take a moment to say thank you to everyone who submitted. We got way more submissions than I imagined that we would, and so it made for a very difficult series of decisions, uh, and it is ultimately why we ended up going from one GM to six GMs. Uh, so we've got our uh, we've got our Monday night stream pretty much decided for the next year. Yeah, we do. <laughs> uh, there is a week off between each one of those stories to give us time to kind of prep in case there's any last minute stuff that needs to be done before the next uh, streaming series starts. Uh, and also just for us to like hang out and chat and play a video game on Monday night. So again, you can find all of that over at twitch.tv slash the crit show. And it begins Monday, March 1st with I hunt. And with that, it's time to get into the episode. Megan, you are sitting in this small pizzeria with Anastasia, Kimmy, Fritz, and Ellis. And across the street, you see a nondescript flower van parked. And above it, on the roof, you see the barrel of a sniper rifle 
pointing in the window of the pizza shop. What are you doing? I think I use telepathy to tell Anastasia that I see this flower van. She turns over her shoulder and looks outside. Oh, what do you want to do about it? That's probably bad. I'm like moving like away from the window. I'm like trying not to be in the sight of it. Yeah, as you start to move out of the window, Anastasia stands up. I'm going to go check on the order real quick. She also clears the line of the window. And as she does, you hear the sniper rifle fire and a bullet comes in and strikes one of the vampires in the head. (gasps) What are you doing? Who got hit? Fritz. Oh, no. Yelling for everyone to get down. Yeah, you tell everybody to get down. You all drop to the ground. Are you doing anything else? I want to try and interfere with whoever's shooting this sniper rifle into this pizza place. All right, roll Jinx. 11. All right, you get a hold two. Uh, interfere with what a monster minion or bystander is trying to do. This pink energy flows out of you across the street, and you see it hit the person holding the sniper rifle, and the sniper rifle tumbles out of their hand and clatters to the ground below. And then you hear the front door slam open and two people dressed in tactical gear come in uh, one of them with a shotgun the other one with a stake i want to use my other hold to interfere with what a monster minion or bystander is trying to do and i think um i think somebody was carrying a couple of pizzas to a table when this happened and as these people bust in they uh stumble and the pizzas slide off the pans and they're just so greasy (laughs) (laughs) and it, it trips one of these guys and i yell to kimmy and ellis to run and get out the door the person in the tack gear holding the shotgun slips and falls on all of the greasy pizza and as you yell for kimmy and ellis to run the one with the stake stops at the sound of your voice and pulls their mask off and it's margaret oh my gosh (laughs) what the hell's going on what are you doing you called me with like a fake oh i'll come pick me up aren't you in danger no 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 oh Fuck, I forgot to call you back afterwards. I didn't know I didn't know you would follow me here. I didn't think about it. I'm sorry. Oh no. She raises her wrist and speaks into it. Everybody stand down, stand down. What's going on? You said to come pick you up. I I know. I just I needed a fake phone call to to get in the house. Uh we're having a, a pizza party. <laughs> Jake, you appear in Elnor back next to Ori. Everything good on that side? I wouldn't say good, but under control for the moment. Yeah. Okay. Let's go talk to Ferguson. You're right. And the two of you head back to the Royal Court's tree and into the Room of Magic. You come into the Room of Magic and Ferguson has already pulled the flower apart and is grinding the petals uh, with a mortar and pestle. I see you got Ori back all right. Yeah, it was a little hairy for a minute, but that's how we do. So what was it like? I've never been. Oh, okay. So, uh, big spooky swamp, lots of puddles. Uh, turns out they are the footprint divots of the giant woman that is the Baba Yaga here, I guess. The puddles make visions of people you know, and some of them help and some of them hurt. Inside the tree was a big labyrinth that was actually pretty similar to the labyrinth of Baba Yaga on our side, so that was nice. I could I could roughly map that out for you if you want. Yeah, pretty spooky. Don't touch the water. Uh, And as you finish telling him the story of what it's like underneath the weeping willow tree, uh, he has finished making his concoction for this spell. So what we've done is I've just set an area over in the corner of the room aside. And uh, when you open the portal, it should open to that corner of the room and you can drop things in. And when you reach back in to grab them, they should come back to you. All right. 
Very cool. Thank you. No problem. And he goes over into one of the circles of runes and he does a fairly quick incantation. Uh, And you notice that three of the runes go out and the concoction that he has made starts to glow and he hands it to you to drink. This is safe for me, right? To drink? Oh, I'm sure. I mean, you're the first. It's fine for us. Yeah. Okay. You still have syrup for blood, right? (laughs) (laughs) I may as well. (laughs) Uh, I'll drink it. All right, and you have now regained your pocket dimension. Yay! Is there anything else that we can help you with? No, I think for now I'm good here. All right. Well, be careful, Jake. It's getting darker and darker. Yeah. I mean, we're we're doing our best to stop that. Let us know if you need anything, and I will head back to headquarters. So, Tass, in Mother Hen, is there anything you want to do on the way back to IPT? Um, I assume there aren't any of the runes that I would know well enough to, uh, I don't know, like fix him up a little bit on the way. Correct. Yeah, like this is more is more involved and a lot of it was on like the propellers and stuff, yeah. wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, then I don't think so. Uh, I think besides just telling Everett the kind of the basic step-by-step of what went on down there. Megan, back inside the pizza parlor, there is an IPT agent who has slipped and fallen on the ground. Margaret has just pulled her mask off to reveal who she is, and you have disabled the sniper outside. You have told Kimmy and Ellis to run uh, as Fritz lays on the ground with an enormous hole in his head. I yell after Kimmy and Ellis, stop, wait, come back, it's okay, it's okay. They stop in their tracks. I'm so sorry. What the hell is going on? I had made that call earlier as a cover for my car having broken down, and I forgot I forgot. I'm sorry. I forgot to to call and say, actually, uh, everything was fine. And Ellis runs over to Fritz and kneels down. And you see him examining the condition that Fritz is in with this large hole in his head. He needs to feed. What what do you mean he needs to feed? He's got an enormous hole in his head. And he's not going to be able to heal from this without energy to do it. Uh, What do I need to do? Give him blood. Yeah, I think I take the... The athame. And as you start to do that, Anastasia grabs your hand. Are you sure about this? I thought you weren't sure what kind of effect your blood was going to have. I guess we'll find out, but I got him shot. God damn it. And she walks over and she puts her hand inside of Fritz's mouth and closes the jaw (gasps) on it. What are you doing? Well, if we've got to save him for whatever it is you're trying to build, it can't be you. That's an unknown quality. I don't want some super vampire running around. You've got things that you can do, too. Yeah, but it's not in my blood. I wasn't born this way. I'm gonna hope there's a big difference there. Okay, okay. And after a few moments, you see that Fritz's jaw starts to move, and very quickly you see the hole in his head start to knit back together. You see fibers start to cross the open hole, and it fills in pretty quickly. And Anastasia grabs his bottom jaw with her other hand and wrenches it down and pulls her hand back and pulls out a piece of cloth and starts to wrap it. As she does this, Ellis helps Fritz to his feet and he looks very dazed and confused, but he takes a seat at the table to steady himself. Margaret looks around at the whole scene. All right, someone explain to me exactly what's going on here. Yeah, first I go up to Fritz. <laughs> I just, I'm so sorry. I I am so glad you're okay. <laughs> uh, I, I meant to call and, 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 let everyone know that it, there wasn't danger and I, I just I didn't realize that that's that's who was outside I'm really sorry uh yeah no harm no foul 
cool. Uh, and I turned to Margaret. Yeah, so I found them. <laughs> yes, I see that. And they are vampires. Yes. But they're not working for Nash, and they don't want to. And they don't want to hurt people either. And so we came here to talk and to get some more information and to see if there was something that we could do to help. Something like what? Something like help them figure out a new path where they're not working for vampire organizations, but they're not living in fear and hiding from the IPT either. How would they eat? Well, that's part of what we were trying to figure out because apparently they can feed without killing people and they don't have to feed directly from a source either. So I don't know if there was a way we could do like a backup blood bank kind of meals on the go. <laughs> All right. And she looks around the room. Let's take this back to my office and get this place cleaned up. And she pauses for a long moment. Yes, let's talk about this back at my office. Can I read her thoughts? Yeah, roll investigate a mystery. Seven. All right, you get a hold one. I guess what is being concealed here? She seems conflicted because the thought of putting manpower into something that would make it easier for monsters to survive is a very foreign thought to her. But she has seen that Tass and Jake and TJ had all made friends with some various forms of monsters and that they have been helpful and that they even seem to be on the same side as the IPT. And so it seems like to her a logical next step, but it goes against all of the training and the bulk of the impulses that she has. Uh, when you say, let's discuss this in your office, like obviously that's not all of us. I feel like they should be a part of that conversation too, right? I don't know if you've been paying attention to what has happened the last couple of days, but I'm not bringing vampires into my overly exposed building right now. Oh, and I wouldn't suggest that you do. I'm just saying maybe, you know, we have this conversation somewhere else. Where would you suggest that we could be safe? Well, I mean, we could go back to their house since you already know where that is. That's not safe for us. I think I'd turn to Kimmy then. Looks like I need to talk with them a bit, but we can't all do it together. I mean, is there a way that I can get back in touch with you? I've got a phone. You used it under false pretenses. She smiles. Yeah. Can I put my number in it? Yeah. And she hands it to you. Uh, I'm going to put my number in her phone, but I'm also going to delete the call that I made to Margaret so that she doesn't have Margaret's phone number. All right. And then I send a text to myself. Uh, okay, there you go. Now I have your number and you have mine. I'm going to try and smooth this over a little bit and figure out if there's a way we can get this rolling for you. Um, I'll be in touch. Yeah, uh, give me a call. I can't imagine if you stop by, we'll be there. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. And uh, the three of them get up and kind of uneasily look at Margaret uh, and Anastasia, who has just been standing in the back corner watching, and they move to the front door and exit. You all travel back to the IPT and up into Margaret's office. As you all settle in, uh, you hear the sound of the helicopter landing above, and Jake walks in. Oh, good. I think you're all just in time. We are getting ready to have a conversation about... Uh, I don't even know exactly what to call it. An outreach program? Uh, yeah, hi. I kind of fucked up a little bit. Things got real messy, but uh, I think it's okay. How did your guys' stuff go? Pretty close to what you just said. Oh. Mine went off more or less without a hitch. I, I, I'm going to be honest, I kind of crushed this one. Nice. Uh, okay, so I found Fritz and Ellis and Kimmy. Oh. They're all vampires. Oh. But they don't want to be bad vampires. 
they tried to work for Nash, uh, but they didn't make the cut. And they didn't really kind of want to in the first place. So they've just kind of been in hiding from, well, from us. Um, and so I talked with them about maybe setting something up like a support group or, or something where they can exist as vampires, but not have to do like bad guy vampire shit. And then I got one of them shot in the head, but he's okay. Whoa. Yeah. I, for- I, I forgot that I had called Margaret as a cover and then she tracked me and they thought that I needed help and they shot him and it was really awful, but he's okay. Whoa. Okay. I didn't realize you didn't know that's what was going on. Like when you cleared the window, I thought that was a sign. Like that's why I got out of the way. I thought it was like we were clearing the lines of fire. Oh, I just didn't know if you might recognize it or something and be able to tell me what was going on or if you knew that that's who that was. Oh, I see. Yeah. I saw you scooting away from the window. I was like, oh, it's on. Well, I didn't know who it was. So I just I just wanted to get out of the way because it looked bad. And, and then it just it happened so fast. So this seems like it was a valuable field exercise. And Megan got some useful training out of it. That's good. If nothing else, that's good. We learned some things, right? Uh, yeah, I uh, learned some stuff. There's still a few questions I have. Um, I'm going to reach back out to them once we kind of establish if we can help them at all. But yeah, kind of needed to talk it through with Margaret and you guys first. So I mean, I, I love that. I think that's important. If they are actively not trying to really hurt people and kill people, then yeah, that that's great. I'm on board with that for sure. Yeah, they said they, they feed, but they never kill the people they feed from. Did you say they don't have to feed directly? What does that mean? Like IV bags of blood were fine. Oh, that's huge. I did not know that. Yeah. So if we could just have like a store of blood, you know, available that was willingly given and not forcibly taken from anybody and they wouldn't have to kill anyone or attack anyone, like that'd be good, right? Yeah. I mean, the logistics of that, I can't fathom, but the thesis statement is certainly sound. I mean, this is kind of where we left that other Earth with the soul bat was like humans and vampires are going to find out a way to coexist and stuff. We could pop back in and see what's working over there and maybe borrow some ideas. Whoa, other other Earth? What is this? Yeah, one of our portal hop was to a, um, a hugely similar world to ours. In fact, it seems like it only really branched off like kind of right when we got started up with this job. But, you know, a lot of stuff was pretty different. And like the me over there was half vampire and there was like vampire mobs controlling parts of the world and humans were in hiding uh, and all this stuff. But at the end of it, we kind of negotiated a truce, so to speak, so that they would kind of work together and rebuild together in the face of like a greater danger. And, you know, they were going to have to work out a way for vampires to still feed without like victimizing humans and stuff like that. So as far as I understood, that was kind of the plan was like the donate blood and feed off the blood bags type thing. Or I guess maybe even like people would be like, oh, pay me a living wage and I'll let you bite me or something. I don't know. Cool. Uh, Yeah, sounds like a good source of information. Yeah, that'll just be another moment of uh, depending on who all goes back, we're going to be popping into those people's bodies again. So I have to kind of recalibrate and explain what's going on there. Uh, Yeah, so the only information that I got, I still need to clarify a few things, but essentially the three of them went into Nash's like boot camp, like vampire boot camp, and got kicked out because they sucked at being vampires. But apparently... They had to like go through that process and then move their way up. And so when they got kicked out, there were other vampire groups that were like, hey, come work for us. I didn't know there were more. 
I don't think we knew there were more either. Yeah, I mean, I guess it stands to reason if it's more like groups that come together, gangs almost, that just look out for each other. I mean, Nash's has got to be probably the, the one that, I don't know, recruits the best of the best, but that might be worth getting some more information about to hunt down the people that are more likely to start hurting people. Yeah, because I mean, there were three of them right there that didn't actually want to do anything bad. They just needed to survive. And so if we provide an option for those people, she said it was very much like they joined because they didn't know what else to do. This seems promising in a bigger way than I was really thinking about, because like Nash's angle here is create a monstrous chosen to like give them all a figure to rally behind, right? But if we open the doors of compassion towards the monstrous community, we could undercut Nash's operation in a major way. Like it won't be as easy for him to radicalize and militarize them if we're like, hey, good news, we're working on solutions. Come with us. I feel like there's probably probably a long history of, well, mistrust and anger that we're going to have to face off there. I don't think it's going to be as easy as, oh, we're nice now, so don't try to attack us. But it's definitely a start. So you're talking about making this public. I don't know about right out the gate, but I mean, if it makes sense to make it public eventually, yeah. I, I think there are certainly steps, though, you know, first trying to find a way to make this viable so we can prove to them that it's viable. However, we're going to deal with blood for vampires or whatever else any other kind of form or creature needs. If we have something that we can actually stand on and prove to them that we're being legit about this and being honest about this, then there might be an avenue for just saying, hey, everybody, let's get on board. First, you'd have to get people to believe they exist. There are people that you pass every day who don't believe we landed on the moon. There are people that you pass every day who think terrorist attacks didn't happen, that wars didn't happen. It's going to take a lot to convince the world that storybook creatures are real. You are not wrong. And I think even if this were fully public, there are still going to be the people that think exactly the way you just described. But if we have people on board, that can make a difference. If we have people running blood banks, that can make this happen. If we have people willing to donate, people in positions of power that see it and are actively helping us, people that don't care, I don't care about. Yes, but that's a very privileged perspective. I have lived a life where I was not able to vote the entirety of my life. If you're talking about recruiting them in a big way to undercut what Nash is trying to do, which is to make them the norm, even if you can prove to everyone that vampires are real, we can't even give equal rights to humans yet. No, I, I agree. That's that's what I mean. As far as going public, that, in my opinion, is way down the line after making the steps viable first. There's no way to do this fast. This is going to be baby steps. If making it public seems like it's the next step, we take the step. I mean, going public would be great to get the information more widespread. But I mean, if we can even just start with three and it's like maybe they know other vampires that don't want to fight us and they can spread the information that way. I mean, the alternative is we just keep killing each other in the shadows. So this is at least a a step towards not doing that if we don't have to. Yeah, I agree. I think we owe it to them to try, but we also have Nash to deal with in the meantime. So, you know, we're not going to have a way to make this our job right now. Speaking of Nash, he showed up, he froze time, and had a little chat with me. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I, I mean, not going to lie, I thought that was it. I thought it was, was going to be end of tasks again. 
But okay, so I went down. There was some creature in the water, something that like seemed like it was feeding off of magic, like it was trying to suck the energy off of the weapons. I could only find one, and he was messing me up pretty bad, so I got out of there. I couldn't find the backpack that had the the whip and the dagger, so I don't know if it's just lost or somebody's found it already or if that thing's secreted away. I don't, I just don't know. So I got out of there with the short sword, and Nash was waiting for me when I came up. He froze time, and he sort of gently asked me for the chosen energy. He said that if I will it, I can just give it away, which is not something I was aware of. I, of course, told him where he could stick that idea, and he just looked sad and said that I don't understand what's happening or something, and he left. He didn't seem like he cared about the weapon that I had, but then Eston was there with about a dozen brand new ghouls of some make or model, and uh, he seemed pretty intent to get the weapons. So I don't know if he knows there's something still down there. There's a real good chance he probably has those if they are to be found. Uh, But he tore through Everett's wards and um, we got out, though. So I don't know what to make of this. Nash just wanted the energy. By all accounts, he should have been able to kill me unless he was just appearing in my head or something. I don't know. Eston wanted the weapon and sure wanted to take us out. (laughs) I don't know, guys. You... You saw Esten in person. Yep. My feeling is they have a good idea that some of those weapons might still be down there, or else why would he have shown up? So Esten tried to kill you, but Nash didn't. Yep. So what happens to the chosen energy if you're killed? I think it just bounces to the next person, whoever it is that's sort of truly chosen. If someone's there or aware of it, they can collect it. That's what he's been doing for however long he's been doing this. Got it. In summation, I don't get it. Like, Nash didn't seem like he had enough time to deal with me, despite the time stop. So whatever that was, he just couldn't take the time to kill me, or didn't have it. He just, I don't know, did some kind of Hail Mary to just ask for it. Yeah, it almost seems like he couldn't, like, do anything to you physically, if he didn't, you know, like if he had time stopped and he had you 1v1 and he wanted the chosen energy and and you said he didn't say anything about the weapon, right? Yeah, he, he didn't seem to care about it or maybe he wanted it to seem like that, but it, I don't, I don't know. But then Eston did. Yeah. And he said, I don't have time to kill you? Yeah, I mean, essentially, yeah. But like asking you for a favor after everything he's done to you guys... Doesn't that seem like it would take more time than just murdering you and taking the energy? I mean, yeah, which is why I I sat in that chopper for hours thinking about what that means. And I don't know if I'm talking myself into some conspiracy theories or what, but it just didn't it just didn't feel right. There's something we don't know now. There's some unknown quantity to this situation that I am suddenly way more worried about. Yeah, I mean, like. If he didn't do anything and he didn't care about the weapon, but he didn't have time to kill you or whatever, and then suddenly Esten showed up and he did want the weapon, like, are they not on the same team anymore? Oh, God. Or is Nash just, maybe he's in a different world right now and was like projecting himself there to talk with you, but he couldn't do anything. And he was hoping like you'd just roll over, but you didn't. So he called in the dogs to take care of business. I don't know. 
that whole thing was just a ploy to get Eston in position, that sure worked, but a tense, I'm about to die situation has a pretty specific feel, and it didn't feel like that. And that's so much scarier. It really boils down to, there's still a couple of those weapons down there. I'm guessing Eston's gonna get at least one of them. So, uh, I'm sorry. And what the fuck was the thing that was in the water with you? I don't know. I might do some research on that. It's not something I had ever seen before. It was this pale swimming figure with, uh, you know, eyes like it's not used to light and inhaled magic. Uh, it, yeah, it was, it was bizarre, but. Was it similar to the ghouls in any way? Kind of, you know, it didn't look just like them. I mean, but you know, those are like the ones we encountered were some freak creation of Estens. Maybe that was another one. Maybe he's like guarding those things or something. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, boy, that's a lot of questions. We're getting into the loop again. Yeah. I mean, you did what you were able to. I can't imagine being at the bottom of the ocean and and checking everything off of my list while being attacked by some weird creature. So don't beat yourself up too bad. But I think we have so much more information now that we just kind of got to sort it. Yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't really get any new information on my journey. They didn't seem to have solid answers about any of the details of the organization or mercury or anything like that you know no more specific speculation than we had i did manage to repair my pocket dimension in a way and that's kind of nice nice that one's just a me victory that doesn't really help the mission so sorry that's okay did you pop over to hawaii check out that spell or whatever might have happened from ori's dream i didn't yet i had had it in my head that the next thing i did would probably be follow up on kimmy but megan took care of that so if we want to all go check out the spell together we can might as well i mean if there's any information that we can get from that great oh i i've got a point that i need to bring up though so if we're gonna work with kimmy on this like support group thing i don't really know what happened to her brother from what i got he was a mole in the ipt and then he was killed yeah i killed him oh okay yep she got real real angry when i brought up that she was the sister because that's what you had said and she thought I killed him and I told her I didn't. I didn't know what happened and I wasn't there. But I feel like if we're going to start building this with them and it's going to revolve around trust, that might be something we have to get out of the way first. Oh boy. Yeah. No idea how to broach that subject, but yeah. Yeah. If you're going to have to have this conversation with the siblings or kids or parents of every monster I've killed goes both ways too. Like I know you guys have found three monsters that seem like they're pretty cool and we work with a couple others but there's a whole lot of them out there in the world that want to be doing exactly what they're doing and that's totally a fair point i'm just saying that if this is someone that we're working on establishing a new system with we need to at least make sure we're on the same page and if she can't reconcile that if she can't work with you know the people that were involved with what happened to her brother then she can't i suppose but uh, i think first the conversation of, of learning more about Nash's boot camp and what they knew about what they were getting into, what they didn't know. That should be information we get first, but I feel like the brother thing should be approached. Anastasia gets up and she leaves pretty quickly. Uh, I mean, I think as she's on her way out, but uh, hey, where are you going? She doesn't respond. I follow her. Yeah, she's just walking down the hallway uh, and she goes into the stairs and goes down and goes out into the alley. I mean, I think I'm pestering her like she might she can just ignore me the whole time. But I, I think I'm like, hey, where are you? What are you doing? Where are you going? What? What are you doing? I'm taking a step outside to take a breath. Oh, well, I certainly can't be helping with that, huh? Yes, very clearly. 
I understand that everyone's intentions are good, that you all want to find a world where we can coexist with them. They took my wife. And there's a chance that the person who did it, when you guys set this up, is going to come back and be like, oh, yeah, I want to be on the good guy side now. So all's forgiven. And so it's just hard to listen to. You guys have been extraordinarily lucky in the monsters that you have found that are willing to help you. I've never met one, and I've been doing this longer than you've all been alive. So it's just a lot to take in. I understand it's the right thing to do, and it's what needs to happen for all of us to survive. But it's a lot to take in. And she leans against the building. Okay, I get that. And I know it is a lot to take in. And I appreciate you acknowledging that it's the right course. I'm sure that in and of itself is hard to do. So you take all the time you need. Process this however you need to. Thanks for still being on our side about it, though. Well, I think I've got to be. I mean, look at us. You and me, if humanity ever decides supernatural things are monsters, which side do you think we fall on? The wrong one. Yeah. And she closes her eyes for a couple moments and takes a few deep breaths, and then she nods and walks back inside with you. Uh, back up in Margaret's office, the five of you are together again. So what is our new order of operations here? I mean, do we still think it's worth checking out that spell? I mean, it'll at least kind of answer for us, like... What we need to do next time we kill Esten, that's not immediately important, but it will be important. Yeah. Or we could try and follow up on Esten's trail if that's something we're planning to do. We have a place that we've seen Esten now, and we're talking about going and visiting the other world and asking them some questions and this and that. So, I mean, yeah, I don't... What's the most immediately important thing? I think we need to hit Hawaii before we try to track down Esten, just to see if there's any clue we can get. If not cool, but maybe, hell, even if they talked or made any sort of little plan walking away from that happening, from him being resurrected, any extra words we can get out of them would be helpful. And of course, tracking Eston down, I mean, again, we leave and he's out still operating. He knows a little bit of our shit, so taking him out is high on the list and something I think we could reasonably do. Okay, yeah, let's go hit Hawaii first then. Megan, sound good? Yeah, sure, I've never been. I was going to say it's beautiful, but it may still be a construction site for all I know. We'll find out. So the three of you head outside and teleport to Hawaii. I don't think there's a role for this. There's no imminent danger. You all appear inside of the ruins of the demoed Wave and Sea. There are chunks of concrete still there, pieces of wood. There is caution tape and uh, some blackened sand from where things have been burned or heavy machinery has been running over. Yeah, this ain't so great. It's exactly how I've always pictured it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, so I more or less remembered where we uh, where we dusted him. So yeah, let's let's head over there and set this thing up. Okay. All right. So you all head over to the area where Esten was killed, and according to Ori's vision, was brought back. Uh, Jake, roll use magic. Nine. All right. What is your glitch? It draws immediate unwelcome attention. This window appears, and inside of the window, Tass and Jake, you see Ori standing with Nash, performing this very ornate ritual. Megan, what you see is Ori standing there with your grandfather. The 
The Crit Show is a Crit Show Studios production, edited and produced by Brandon Wentz with music by Jake Purley. You can find more information about us at thecritshowpodcast.com. To keep up to date with upcoming live shows, contests, and other special events, follow us at The Crit Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For even more weekly content, join us at patreon.com slash thecritshow. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. This is Yanni, and welcome to Season 2 of Harlem Queen. Thank you for listening. The season picks up with the search for Michelle. You are listening to the Floyd J. Kelvin program. And now, straight to the headlines. Manhattan debutante and socialite Michelle Mondesir has been kidnapped from her Connecticut boarding school. There is a tri-state search for Mademoiselle Mondesir, who is 15 years of age, Caucasian, and was last seen yesterday evening going to her dormitory. Stephanie is frantic and she risks all in order to find her missing daughter. We will find Michelle. There are troopers all along the New Jersey and Pennsylvania highways. That's not enough. Madame Stephanie St. Clair posted a $10,000 reward for information that leads to the safe return of Ms. Mondesir. You need to take down your reward, Stephanie. I will not. Those no-good couples are already saying she's dead. The connection between the debutante and the numbers queen is unclear. And Stephanie still has to contend with Luciano and Schultz plotting to push her out of her own turf. Word on the street is that it's Schultz. Who cares about a lost colored girl? This one is white. Fifth Avenue debutante, lot of money, well connected. And I want to find out why Stephanie is so fixated on the girl. Stephanie is highly invested in her safe return. What do you need me to do? I need you to cheese it. What about St. Clair? You tried to clip her twice. Is she pushing up daisies? No. We're going to get her another way. Even Halstein is suspicious. Is he truly a friend or a foe? She's putting herself behind the eight ball. There's something more there, and I need to find out. In the meantime, someone has to earn the money she's deciding not to earn. You have no power in this case, Stephanie. In fact, you're a liability. I will do everything in my power to get her home safe and sound. Listen up for season two. Harlem Queen is a recipient of the Lower Manhattan Cultural Council's Creative Engagement Grant. And once we all get through this safe and sound, we will have a live radio show of Harlem Queen this fall. More episodes to come. Take good care and stay well. Oh, my God.